Hello, and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen Haupt, and I'm joined today by Lynn Greismer. Am I saying that correctly? Greismer. Yeah. Greismer. Okay. And she wrote a book called Porn Free. I'm going to make sure I get this right. Porn Free, How to Decrease the Demand for Pornography. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll be discussing that today. So welcome to the show, Lynn. Hi, Colleen. Great to be here. Yeah. So let's just get started. It's in the topic of your title of your book. What do you mean by decreasing the demand for pornography? Can you explain what that looks like and why it's important? Yes. I decided to write this book uh, sometime around COVID. I was observing that my first question was, why are there so many pedophiles, men, 52-year-old men, wanting to have sex with a 13-year-old? And I thought I was going to write a book on that. And then within 24 hours, I got to the baseline of pornography. Certainly, that's not the only reason, but it's a foundation to a a big breakdown in human sexuality, human relationships, male-female relationships. And so what I noticed was a lot of material on pornography is based on recovery, addiction, education. If only you educate your kids, if you get the right computer Uh, blockages and protection, you'll be okay. There was also information on uh, the brain, what what porn does to the brain, but there's not a lot and and legal. There are great people trying to make legal restrictions and enforcement. And of course, sex trafficking is is an uh, outpour of pornography, but we aren't really talking about how to decrease the demand. So I wanted to dive deep into how can we decrease it in the first place? Now, first of all, don't consume it, but you can't say that human nature is very fallen. We know that the venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen said one of the biggest sins that will take down a civilization is sexual sin, sin of the flesh. And so many people struggle with this and porn is so highly addictive uh, you're curious about porn, you go back for a second look, a third look, and you can create a habit and maybe even an addiction very easily. And it's very frightening. And so I, I set out to write this book, Can We Decrease the Demand? And I'm actually very positive to talk about pornography because yes, we can. And there are many wonderful things we can do. We can talk about some of those. Uh, the, the, the perfect person watching this will be parents, young parents on the verge of raising their kids because Decreasing demand starts when your children are young. It doesn't start when they're seven or eight, when the parent takes a deep breath and says, okay, let's have a talk. You might run into pornography. It's already too late. There are things we can go back and raise a family to set things in motion that hopefully will provide a foundation that will, nothing is foolproof, but pretty strongly block them from getting involved in pornography. So basically you want to help parents raise children who aren't interested in it when they do come across it, because that's going to happen at some point, given how today's society is. Is that a correct kind of summary of what you mean by that? That that would be the idea to create strong people who will be immune to the temptations of porn. They know that it's wrong. They won't take a second look. Their gut feeling will tell them this is weird and this is uncomfortable and strange. I don't want any part of it. I know that it's strange because once you have the porn addiction and habit, there's a lot to undo. Your your brain, I pretty much think you get brain damaged if you have a full-blown addiction. It could take two years, 
six years, seven years to to unravel it and to re regrow a healthier brain because of the hold, the stronghold. And and so today I want to talk about how to slay the porn monster. It truly is a beast. It is a monster. If it affects your family, it's not a happy thing. I'll throw out a few statistics here. 60% of divorces involve some level of pornography habit or addiction or dalliance or porn. You have, let's say men, men who've been looking at porn are 300 times more likely to have an affair. And that is, that should be unacceptable. That should be unacceptable. You have children coming across porn at age 11 or younger. Most people will see it by their teenage years, over 90%. By the time you're in high school, you've seen some porn. You've um, hopefully not uh, been ensnared by it. So it's really a monster. Oh, and here's another thing too. 100% um, of men who are sex buyers, prostitutes, um, strip clubs, uh, mainly prostitution, 100% have, have seen porn. There has been some kind of level of porn. And over 80% of incarcerated sex offenders, sex addicts, criminals, sex cr crimes have had pornography involved. So it really is a base. Um, and I, I have a few radical things to, to say what parents can do and not tolerate that aren't really related to porn, but they can overlap. And so anyway, so you're, I just want to say, Colleen, that your podcast is Human Life International, pro-life, correct? And yes. so I would say that pro-life uh, abortion is the biggest breakdown in a male-female sexual relationship for some reason, the couple or at least one person is inspired or drawn or pushed to the edge or they feel desperate to to kill the child, to have an abortion. And that is a breakdown in a, in a male-female relationship for whatever reason. They could be college students. They don't think they can afford the baby, whatever it is. And so pornography is also a huge breakdown in human sexuality. Pornography like I, for reasons I said, it just, it, it can ruin lives. And, and some people don't really care because it doesn't affect them. But in my book, I do talk about why it's not just an issue in the privacy of my own home. Because what I want to say about that is, let's say I work in a working environment with many men. And if all these men in the privacy of their own home are watching porn are um, habitual porn users, that will affect what they think and it could have of people, of women. It will affect maybe how they treat you. And so I'm innocent, I'm not doing porn, I walk into the workplace and I have this, this aura of people who are using porn and that's who I'm working with. So it does affect society. So I, I think it's garbage to say, in the privacy of my own home, I can do this. It's, it's, I call for zero tolerance of pornography and we just want to annihilate the beast. Wives whose husbands have done porn, they'll tell you they don't, they, they wish their husband didn't do pornography. Some will feel traumatic. They will feel betrayed that the husband actually had an affair on them if he has the porn. And we know porn is not right because people do it in secrecy. There's lies that come with porn. And like I alluded to with pornography, could come criminal behavior, could come mistreatment of people, losing job finances. And what it does is 
it makes you impulsive. So anything that makes us impulsive, we must beware. And so my first thing I want to bring up that parents can do to help decrease the demand for pornography is you see our phone here. Well, our phones give us immediate and quick feedback. Every time we're checking, every time we're texting, we keep it by our bed at night and we wake, wake up in the morning and we check those emails, we check the texts, whatever. It's telling us to, it, it's training us. We're being trained to hit a button, hit a button. Pornography, they have it all figured out. The king of pornography, porn people, producers, um, the multi-billion dollar business, they know, hit a button, hit a button. Ooh, intensity, novelty. Let me check this out. Dopamine hits. And I, I, I want to bring up something pretty interesting. Um, did you know that the Computer Electronics Symposium has a worldwide uh, conference once a year in Las Vegas between January 4th and 8th, give or take, first, second week in January? This is where well over 1,000 high-tech firms and vendors come to roll out the new innovations to discuss the technology that's coming. And at the same time, for many years, the Adult Entertainment Expo or the Adult Video News, uh, they, it usually draws well over 25,000 people. They used to have more, but after COVID, it's, it's gotten less. They have theirs at the same time so that conference attendees can go to both. So oh I want listeners to know that the advances in technology the porn pushers are right there, either creating it or involved or ready to do it. And here's something parents should be afraid of and concerned and maybe not let your young boys or kids use. They have what's called like the metaverse. You put this big um, goggles on and you can do sword fights and it's fun and, and these gaming and you feel like it's a virtual reality that's real. And there's porn in there that actually a couple of researchers said it actually feels you're really having sex. It's feeling real putting this on. So when Christmas comes around, I, I would not increase the usage of video gaming or, or the time kids spend on, on these instant gratifications. So it's, it's pretty devious. I did not realize that. I've heard of the virtual reality ones for things like games, or I know like some architects can use it for like seeing what a building could look like once they're finished, like practical uses and fun ones. But I'd never, I never actually considered how people would use that for porn, though that totally makes sense. Um, I know that in your book, you talked about like signs and symptoms of porn use in society. And we kind of covered that slightly, but can you go into that a little bit first before we talk about actually how to decrease it, just so people can kind of be aware of what kind of is going on in people's in society right now. Okay, there are many subtle signs of porn. We see on billboards a very chesty voluptuous woman smiling because she wants implants and it's going to make her happy. And you have the young attractive doctor male doctor with the stethoscope for cosmetic surgery. So whenever we think of the cosmetic surgeries that women flock to, the lips, the butt, the breasts, that to me is a pornographic sign trying to make yourself different and sexy. Is this, you know, is this what men want? And it's, it's interesting that voluptuous breasts should really be a, a engorged mother ready to breastfeed her baby. That is, is what they're for <laughs> as mammals. Mainly. Um, so 
there the signs of of the selfie narcissist generation we're always having to look good look at me look at me attention on me when girls think that beauty is in only and mainly in their looks and their appearance i'm all for uh attractive appearance and making yourself look great and that's important but when we go overboard to excessive attention to what we look like and if you're going to dress a certain way you're going to get all these surgeries you're going to look a certain way guys might just hone in and look at certain parts of your body and is that what you want as a human being is that the attention you want no you want someone to look into your eyes face-to-face -face relationships um other signs of porn um just the crass attitudes I recently watched a documentary called Liberated and it and it was uh, filmed in 2017 and it was about spring break. And it made me realize that if if any parents of college students are watching this or listening to this now, do not pay for your kids spring break to Cancun or or Florida or beautiful places because there's a lot of alcohol, there's a lot of free sex, there's just it's just one big party. Instead, do an alternate spring break where you would go and help Habitat for Humanity, help somebody recover from a hurricane, rebuilding of a home or something of value. So porn, um, alcohol mixes with young men who are doing porn and who are going wild on the beach. And, and that's not good news. And um, I also want to bring up violence. I've recently decided in the past year, I do not, I want to avoid rated R movies that have excessive violence, graphic violence and gore. I don't care how good the story is. I'm going to have to pass it by because what some of these things do in our life is, is that they desensitize. Anything that's going to desensitize your child as you are raising too many gaming, violence to the point where you don't even blink an eye when you see, you know, heads being shot off and whatever. And we have to really guard our senses and our minds from all of this. And uh, I think it's almost 90% of most of porn involve violence, violence often against women. And uh, this is teaching you as a parent, do you want porn to teach your kid? The answer is no. And if you as a parent are a little bashful in bringing this up and you don't know how to bring it up, there are many good organizations that can help you fight the new drug, defend young minds, Exodus Cry. There's there's many great educational to help you relax into it. But I, but I have to say in my book, I talk about you need to have courageous conversations. The parent should be the initiator of, of porn awareness in your family. And I'm, I'm getting ahead a little bit about ways to decrease it. But I, um, I don't know, Colleen, what, what signs do you see as a pornified culture? Well, I remember you're talking about kind of one thing that really stood out to me in the book was you're talking about guys who like can just kind of stare off in this space and their eyes glaze over. And I just thought that was an odd sign of porn that you brought up. And I was a little I was curious why you brought that up as a sign of porn. And that was the one that stood out the most to me. All right. I brought it up because I've seen it and I know it. I'm familiar with it. It's unscientific, but I talk about the pornified look and I just have this gut feeling. And again, it's not scientific. I wish someone would do the science on it. But when a guy has a habit of porn or has a um, an addiction, 
it's a, it's as if their brain is, is misfiring and reconfigured and they're hiding something. And to the point where you don't really know how to relate to women after a while, you can't keep this hidden. It, it becomes a runaway train. And, and it just, it's almost as if you're taking a human being, you're altering that person to a robotic state. And this is why I don't come down hard on if a, if a woman finds her husband doing porn, I don't believe in immediately kicking him to the curb, divorcing, he's a loser. No, he has a problem. He has a problem. And we are, as our partners, our marriage, par married partner, we are to reach out and help. We took vows for better or for worse in sickness and in health. And I see a porn addiction as sickness, a brain reconfiguration. However, it's also moral. And my book comes down very strongly for morality. It's wrong. It's wrong to hide out and to go to your computer at three in the morning and, and to do your porn habit while your spouse is sleeping. It's wrong. And that one thing to combat that is to teach our kids the virtues. And so I definitely talk a lot about uh, virtues, but I do believe that there is a pornified look uh, to some people and they're, they're just they're just kind of distant. There's, there can be a distance. Interesting. Yeah, that was just something that jumped out at me as I'd never thought of that before. And so can, now can we jump into how you can help your kids um, grow up so that they don't have any need for porn or desire for it, I guess. Um, and then right. what and again, again there's, there's, there's no foolproof reason. Yeah. But the first thing to do when a, when a woman, hopefully a married woman, finds out she's pregnant, if, you, if this is a surprise and unwelcome and you don't desire it, Great. You have 40 weeks of a pregnancy to shift and to welcome that baby and to form love. So the first thing to do is to love every child just because they're a human being, not what they can do for you. Oh, I'm going to raise my kid to be a perfect A student, get into an Ivy League and get a good career. Your child is not a human doing. Your child is a human being. And I wonder if um, the audience knows the work of Dr. Conrad Bars. He was a Catholic psychiatrist, and I'll just lift his book, Born Only Once. Uh, he talks about affirmation, and that is a really good topic for Catholic community to look into young parents and parents of any age. What is affirmation? Were you affirmed? Are you affirming your child? And basically, you are just loving your child just because of who they are. So now that you, if you lay that groundwork of the love for the child, you want what's best for your child. And so I'm very, uh, the other books that I've written on some on public speaking and some on marriage. And my big topic is unassisted home birth. And I had four kids in the hospital and then I had two at home with just me and my husband, no doctor, no midwife. A lot of people think this is radical, but to me, it was the most loving way to bring a child into the world. And again, I have a very good past history of just three hours of labor start to finish. And I'm very confident and comfortable with the process. And, and very, uh, I researched it for my two at, at home versus the four in the hospital. And so a gentle birth is, is a great way to start. A gentle birth, breastfeeding, bringing your children up in just uh, with a lot of love. It, it would be great if the father had a job where you, he could be home and you could have dinner most nights together, family unity, a father validating his young daughters, feeling comfortable raising children so that they can tell you anything, not afraid of you. Because when you're, if you're seven year old, 
is at a computer with other kids in the school library and another kid brings up some porn images and your kid sees this and what's the kid going to do with it? Hopefully you've raised your child to be strong enough to either say, hey, this is we shouldn't be on this website. Let's get out of it. Or he could quietly go and tell a school teacher, a counselor or the parent, someone to stand up to uh, conformity to even we all want to belong. But if you can raise your children to have some leadership, to have some outspokenness, to know that something's wrong and to do something about it, you don't have to evangelize the rest of the world, but you you really want to raise your kids to stand up to it. And why do you want to raise the kids to stand up to it? Well, let's give a couple of examples of what porn has done to young men, 14, 15 year old boys. They molest their younger sisters. And there was one um, main, uh, gosh, um, 19 kids and counting. The oldest son, Josh, uh, was looking at porn from age 14 or 15. He molested at least four of the daughters. I don't think they told the parents. Um, he went on to get married and had kids and he went to the Ashley Madison website, which is all about married people having affairs. And now he's doing a prison sentence. And I look at his picture and I feel how sad he got. He went down the slippery slope, starting with pornography. He never at the age of 35 would have want, would have wanted the life he has now. It's horrible. And so this is what, how porn can end up to even the most unsuspecting person because we porn can really grab almost anybody. So it's best for a parent to, to tell your kid, hey, I'm giving you this cell phone. I know you're nine or 10 years old, but you only to use it to call me um, for the pickup from school or whatever. And if you happen to come across something on your phone, please tell me right away. You won't get in trouble. Just please tell me. If any of your friends, what are you talking about, mommy? But weird pictures. Well, nakedness is for privacy. If you see naked pictures or someone asks you to send naked pictures, you know that's wrong. And please tell me, you know, so you, you in other words, Colleen, developing a rapport starts young. It starts in the family at a young age, the trust, the, the, the community of the family, um, it's almost too late to all of a sudden not have much communication going. And then you think your kid's 13. Oh, let's have the talk. And they probably can tell you more than what you can tell them based on what they've seen. So some of these are a number of things we can do. Well, and it also seems like if you raise a child to be able to talk about that stuff when they're younger and have that trust with you, it's less awkward when they get older. I feel like if you're trying to approach a 13 year old and be like, you need to tell me stuff if you run across it. A 13 year old is more likely to be like, I'm getting older. I don't need to tell you stuff. And but if you raise them to come to you with those kind of problems when they're younger, it's already become a habit by the time they're older of, oh, I don't know what's going on here. I want to talk about it. Or I saw this thing that I don't like. Can you help me through it? Yes. And so that makes sense that if you're affirming the child and building that loving relationship with them from a very young age, you're going to have a better relationship with them going forward, yes, which definitely. would relate to that. <laughs> I th I definitely. And and I think that um, by having babies born at home, by breastfeeding. So my oldest son is 35 and my youngest is 20. And my oldest son is about three years older than the second child. But anyways, there, when one of my babies came along, uh, he was seven 
And he and I would just chat while I was breastfeeding the baby later at night when the younger kids went to bed. And so that was very wonderful. It was very heartwarming and it was bonding and connecting and that he saw me sitting there relaxed breastfeeding a baby. So in the back of his mind, you know, growing up, oh, breastfeeding is good. It's normal. It's healthy. It's positive. Wow. That's something, you know, that should be, that's what you do in a family and conversations around the dinner table with dad and mom and trying to do that before teenagers, you know, things get busy in the high school years. But um, yes, just developing the comfort. And, and you know what? We parents, we have it hard. There's just so much decisions we have to make, bombardment, and be okay with your imperfections. Be okay if you stumble over your words. Just be who you are. And everything is is an experiment and is temporary and is a learning process. You don't have to have everything perfect before you do something. And then in your book, you also mentioned the 10 virtues to help form in your children to combat porn. So jumping Mm -hmm. off of what you can do to help like raise them emotionally, can you now talk about what kind of virtues you can help them that will help like what the virtues are and why they'll help? um, Yes. All right. I'm just... I was thinking about this today. What is the most important virtue that I would choose? And I think I'm going to choose the word charity. Charity is not, you know, giving your money and time to an organization. It's giving your love to someone or something or some cause and expecting nothing in return just because you want to pour love out to others. And it's funny during, during this Lenten season, I was trying to uh, dig into the virtues and the beatitudes, and my I, I took one of my daughter's book, the seven saints um, for seven virtues, and Mother Teresa. They're talking about Mother Teresa in in this book, and it's just very, very wholesome, very wonderful, very loving. We need to get back to virtues, and so I talk about ten virtues that can help combat pornography, and basically we want to definitely have integrity adhering to the truth and what is honest. We want to have humility. Um, Again, charity is very important. Unselfish love and generosity. And if we can just have unselfish love and generosity, we know that porn is not generous. Pornography, you just think about all of these things. Porn has no place. Um, Prudence, the habit of deciding well at each moment what we must do, self-governance. And so that's kind of why I talk about the phone usage and things that make someone uh, want instant gratification. Self-governance takes time, quality time, quantity time. It might mean, oh, we're in a hurry. Let's stop by a fast food place for dinner. Wait a minute. We want to save some money this week. We're going to go home and take an extra 15 minutes to put together a dinner. And, you know, so you're, you're teaching a little delayed gratification, self-governance. And that's important when we are young adults and adults with our sexuality as well. I also, and I briefly mentioned these, chastity is an important one. Chastity is using reason and restraint. And all of the music, Let, let's avoid some of this music as well as the violent rated R movies. Let's avoid some of this music. Do it, do it. If it feels good, yeah. No, we, we have to get control. And, you know, no, none of this Tinder, swipe, swipe. Let me find a date tonight. Quick, quick. You, you, we really need to stop being so barbaric and, and be a little more restrained. 
with ourselves. Um, temperance, fortitude, diligence, careful and persistent work ethic. And diligence can be taught with children valuing their homework, taking up a musical instrument, uh, a, a sport, a, an art, an, um, using your hands to develop a skill. How about develop a skill rather than spend an extra hour a day on your phone? And so diligence is, you know, as we can work towards productivity and something meaningful, now that's not going to stop you from doing porn, but it's going to start creating a purposeful life, something meaningful, exploring uh, what our God-given talents or direction might be. And so it takes a lot of work. And if parents have high-powered working jobs, they come home and they're out of energy for their kids and they'd rather just watch a couple of movies and relax before they go to sleep for the next day, it's going to be harder. You're, you're going to pay for it later on when your kids get older. So, so raising a family is a big investment. It's really a big investment. It's a wonderful investment. I'm very happy that my young adults are starting to get married and have kids. And I feel that I'm very glad that I spent the time I did. Now, I do, I do talk about of my six kids, two of them did veer into porn for a very short time and then they pulled themselves out. And so um, there is redemption, God's redemption. There is being admitting it and don't be ashamed and afraid. If you've been doing porn, please don't be ashamed. That's why the Satan wants to keep it hidden, shame, and keep it private. It's horrible. It's a dirty habit. Well, I think it's a habit that we need to bring to the light and we need to work on annihilating because porn really, it's really, it's really horrible. There are young people getting divorced because the husband can't give up the porn habit and they have a new baby and they're at an impasse. And that is terrible. They don't, nobody, Nobody wants to go down that road. No, they don't. And that's a great, I like how this episode is a good supplement to the one with the Hahnemans, with Jeannie and Bruce Hahnemann that I did a few months back, mm -hmm. because they talk more about the brain chemistry and how to recover from the like porn addiction, from the addiction side. And I like how you're bringing in things you can do ahead of time to try to raise children to hopefully not fall into that. It isn't a it can be an addiction on the brain side of things, but also being able to be like, oh, I don't want to see this anymore. And if you can break it before it becomes an addiction, hopefully like that is great. That's the best, obviously the best uh, possible scenario. Um, well, best possible is not seeing it ever, but right. if you are exposed to it. And, and, um, and to the people and porn is a way we all find ways to soothe ourselves. We soothe ourselves, um, biting our nails, watching shot TV, um, shopping, spending money, um, alcohol. We, we find ways to soothe ourselves, maybe talking on the phone for too, too much. So we have to find ways to soothe ourselves. And, and men, college age men, young men who start the way of porn, just get rid of it and take your time to work on yourself and strengthen yourself. If you're bashful with women, Porn is a horrible, it will never replace the beauty you can have with a person. So if you're awkward and uncomfortable, if this is what you do for soothing, I say get rid of it and try to replace, try to find some other way to soothe yourself. And one of my ways that I soothe myself is I'm a long distance swimmer. I live here in Tampa Bay and I like to swim. I've swum around about 26 or 27 islands in the last couple of years, big ones, small ones. 
And while I'm in the water, I'm in the present moment. I don't, I don't have to think about anything. Well, I do my stroke. So I'm in the present moment. My mind can drift where it wants to. And that is a great way of soothing and it's healthy. And, and, and so you can find something new. You can find something to soothe yourself. Take up a hobby, you know, darts, painting, um, pop open, learn about uh, mechanics, auto mechanics. You're just going to have to take yourself and face your discomforts of who you are and try to channel it in a better direction because to, to undo what the porn monster can do to you can take years. It can take money. It, it, it actually has ruined lives. And, and, you know, I don't want that for anybody. And I actually have a question going back to what you were saying closer to the beginning of the episode about using the example of the woman in the workplace who doesn't view porn, but the people around her does. How do you suggest people who don't view porn, be, like, how do you suggest that they handle today's society being aware of the issue, but not being paranoid of everyone around them or suspicious of everyone around them? Do you have any advice for that situation? Um, number one, I don't know that we can change the world or change other people. So we just keep ourselves rooted in who we are. You live your life giving a good example. You live, people will know you by your character. They will know you by your fruits. And so if show that you're happy, if you're a happy person, after a while, people might sit back and say, wow, that person has it all together. I how does he or she do it? And they'll, and they'll wonder. So in conversation, you can give little sentences here and there to show people the virtuous life, hopefully that you're living to share with people who you are, to share with people, um, you know, like my son said to me a couple of months ago, my 20 year old, mom, you're living the best life. You get to swim. You have so much freedom. I don't have a full-time job. My husband is the, is the main wage earner. And this is just how we've um, decided our family would be for a while. And I am living a good life. And I said, and I said, well, you know, I'm living a good life because I'm rooted in, in God's will for my life. And I'm, I'm just trying to adhere to, you know, the, being a good person, you know, and just, I didn't want to be preachy, but so when somebody asks you, wow, why, why are you happy? Why do you have it together? Then you can share. So be, be ready to share yourself when people ask. But I, I think I'm more of the quiet type that I don't go out trying to change or observe, or I just try to share who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense that you just wouldn't think too much about how it affects, how it might affect other people's view of you and just how you we, can. There's not much we can do. Them. We can, we can put our energy into our, our spouse, our extended family, our children. That's probably where the nucleus and maybe, maybe your close friends um, but you just have to, you know, being open, being mindful, being in the moment will give you little clues to, um, to that. And you know what, say a silent prayer. If you know someone is in a bad way, just offer some prayers and don't even tell them and just really put them, you know, on your heart and mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. It's always great to pray for people, obviously. And do you have anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up today? Yes, I would like to um, offer a free pamphlet, um, 
Porn Free, How to Decrease the Demand for Porn. Basically, this is a very shortened version of my book. If you if you send me an email, lynn at lynngriesmer.com, I can send you uh, to download this. And basically, it's got why virtues matter. Um, first, I talk about what's your porn story. Each of us has a porn story that we have to reconcile ourselves with. Where did you first learn about it? Did you get pulled into it? What did you think of it? How did it affect you? And you need to reconcile your porn story, um, you know, as you're living through life and having kids and being having influence on others. Um, oh, boy, I didn't even uh, today. I didn't talk about a biological design. The, and the whole reason for this, uh, why porn is not good. It's not part of the biological design. The biological design is all living creatures need um, an environment in which to thrive. We need some type of nourishment or food and biology, reproduction. So that means male, female. When we talk about reproduction, hopefully that's sex within a long-term, happy, healthy marriage. And what that means is face-to-face -face communication. Sex is a communication. Porn is not. Porn is voyeurism. Porn is degrading. And I don't agree that porn could be a... Um, uh, not an aphrodisiac, a foreplay. Porn cannot be a, for, a foreplay for a couple. You need to get to know your partner and find out what turns each other on. That is the communication of sex, not looking at porn before you then have sex with your partner. And in a man or a woman in a sexless marriage, no, I'm sorry, no porn as an outlet. A, um, a teenage boy with raging hormones, no, no porn because porn it hijacks human sexuality. It goes against healthy sexuality. And it's just, it, it, there's no sexual integrity with pornography. And so if you have sexual problems and issues, uh, do not turn to porn. Porn will never, won't fix you. It will, it will only cause a problem. So anyways, yes, I have, <laughs> I have this little booklet I'm happy to give to people. And, um, if you, um, if you get my book, I would love for you to leave a review on amazon.com. This can be read in three hours. And it's also got information. If you do catch your spouse doing porn, how to talk with them. And I don't think we really have time to go into that, but there's, there's good resource in there for how to approach your child or your spouse who you find out is doing porn. Usually you will find out they won't come and raise their hand and tell you. And so it can be very messy and I have very easy, um, easy way to help you navigate through that. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Lynn. It was great to talk to you and I'll link in the description, your book, and I can put your, e your email there as well. So people can reach out to grab those. So. Okay. Thank yeah. you so much, Colleen. I've enjoyed it. Bye. Bye. And to all of our listeners, please like follow and subscribe, um, share this with your friends and just keep on living the culture of life. Thank you and God bless.